Well, UCLA is uh, officially heading to the Big Ten out of the Pac-12, and that is overall good news for the Big 12 Conference. It finally means things are settled down. We're going to get into a normal place, a normal groove of the next wave of college football realignment. And for the Big 12, it hurts the Pac-12, which in a dog-eat-dog world, in a zero-sum game, is good for this league and good for this conference. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com is, of course, how you find us covering the Big 12 Conference from uh, top to bottom. Thanks for joining us. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, share the show, hit that like button. It helps us out tremendously. If you're on the podcast, you know what to do. Five stars, review, and I got free koozies coming your way when you do that. Uh, send me an email, screenshot that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So how you guys doing? First off, great to be here with you as always. Uh, this move was made official today that the uh, University of California regents confirmed that, yes, UCLA is going to the Big Ten. There was a slight chance, not a big chance, that um, the state may try to block this thing. But ultimately... It was always a long shot, and University of California Regents voted 11-5 on Wednesday to approve the move for UCLA. Now, what's going to come out of this? UCLA is going to have to pay a tax to Cal in the range of 2 to $10 million, likely depending on the worth of the Pac-12's new TV deal once it hits the market. Taxing in California, those two things go beautifully hand-in-hand, don't they? I, I mean, leave it to the state of California. How are they going to punish you in the state of California? They're going to tax you because that's all they know how to do in California, in the People's Republic of California. But I won't go down that road right now. All right. What I will do, the conversation I will have with you, is that the reason this is good for the Big 12 Conference is because it makes things uneasy. It confirms the uneasiness in the... Pac-12. And George Klievkoff, the Pac-12 commissioner, is not even close to what the Big 12 has right now in Brett Yormark. Brett Yormark could run circles around George Klievkoff. I, that's just, I, I'm not trying to be mean to George. I'm sure he's a decent guy. But you're telling me right now, if I could have my commissioner be Brett Yormark or George Klievkoff, I'm telling you right now, it's Brett Yormark uh, today, tomorrow, every day through Sunday. It's not even close which one of those guys I want on my side in the foxhole. I want Brett Yormark every single day, every stinking time is what I want out of that guy. So if you're Brett Yormark, if you're looking at the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 is vulnerable and the Pac-12 officially knows that USC and UCLA are out the door in 2024, what do you do? What move do you make? Well, you get on that phone, as I'm sure he has done many times over, and you start placing some calls. That's what you do if you're Brett Yormark. And I'm sure he's done it, but it's time to do more of it. It's time to do some more exploration if you're Brett Yormark and say, okay, how you feeling now, Arizona? How you feeling now, Arizona State? Hey, Colorado, you got Deion Sanders. How you feeling now, Buffaloes? I know that they're going to say, well, you know, we're staying in the Pac-12. We're Pac-12 guys. It's going to be fine. We've been told by people the TV money's not going to be all that different. Uh, let me ask you, look at the 
Look at your watch. Look at the clock. Whatever. Look at the calendar. We're sitting here mid-December 22. If you follow the news a little bit, 2023 doesn't look like it's going to be a great economic year. Do you want to be the Pac-12 trying to get a TV deal done when most of the inventory is taken up on ESPN and, and the major networks, Fox, in the middle of a potential recession year? Do you want to do that? I, I don't think you do. I, this, this is just me talking now. I don't think you do. But that's where George Klievkov has this conference. And George Klievkov, I don't know if you saw this last week, the Pac-12, there was some reporting out of the Pac-12 that they were happy to wait on their deal because now Deion Sanders is going to be here. Deion Sanders getting hired by Colorado to be the head coach is going to save the Pac-12. Are you kidding me? I'm not convinced Deion Sanders is lasting two years in that job, to be quite frank. But once again, that's a story for another day. The Big 12 has got to be as aggressive as it's been in the last, I mean, since Brett Yormark got there. This is official. Pac-12 fanboys, and we know who they are in the media, held out some hope that maybe, maybe um, in California, the regents would possibly block this thing. They didn't. It is now official. UCLA and USC are gone in 2024. How is the Pac-12 responding? Whatever they're going to do is not going to be all that impressive. And all these Pac-12 schools, I know the Utah AD said last week, we're staying. He said that on social media, on Twitter, the Utah AD. Have fun with that, Utah. I mean, you guys know what it's like to be in a, in a minor league conference coming out of the Mountain West. You should know better. You're going to leave yourself stuck in the Pac-12? If you're Utah, why? You don't want to share the stage with BYU? I'd rather have BYU. BYU's a national brand. Utah's not. But if on the Big 12, I'd look at Utah. That Holy War would be a very enticing game for uh, this league from a TV standpoint, right? That would be a huge deal. The four schools you call, as I've noted, Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools. And some of you hate Colorado, and Colorado thinks it's, you know, all snooty Pac-12 West Coast country, and I understand that. I I do. And they left us, and fine— uh, let's not sit here and feel sorry for them or uh, ask for them back. But in the end, one thing we know about conference realignment, if you do it right, you set your ego aside. If you do it right, if you make the right move, you're putting the ego aside for the better part of the conference. And I believe that it's better for Colorado football to be in the Big 12. I just think that you would get some of those old Big 12 North rivalries back, and it's good for the Big 12 to have that program in that market, bring back some of the old Big 12 North rivalries. I just think it makes an enormous amount of sense for this league to do. I understand why some of you hate it. I'm not saying you know, you're wrong to hate it. I just disagree with you. I just see value in Colorado coming back, and I'm willing to set aside the stupid decision they made 10 years ago and realize we're at a different place right now. All the people involved are different. What's in the best interest of both sides going forward? And if the Big 12 can pull that off, I'm a big proponent of it. Far bigger proponent than Gonzaga. That has made no sense to me since that news has kind of surfaced that Brett Yormark has had conversations with Gonzaga. They don't have a football program. And the basketball program is amazing, but try getting to Spokane, Washington from Morgantown, West Virginia on a Tuesday night for, you know, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern tip-off, 7 o'clock on the West Coast. Who wants to do that? 
And with all due respect to Gonzaga, do you think that they're still Gonzaga if, God forbid, Mark Few retires or something happens to him or whatever? Gonzaga is no longer Gonzaga. So Gonzaga is not appealing to me as a Big 12 fan. And if you and the other goal here for Brett Yormark in the Big 12 has got to be to figure out how to really and I it's a dog eat dog world. So this is not Brett Yormark's fault it's come to this point. But really destroy the Pac-12. That that's the goal. Like let's just say it like it is. The goal of Brett Yormark, the goal of the Big 12 should be to figure out how to destroy the Pac-12 for good. And you know what? If people are going to blame the Big 12 for that, who cares? This was None of this began with the Big 12. The Big 12 has simply reacted to what has happened over the last 16, 17 months. That's all the Big 12 has done. You can't point the finger for any of this at the Big 12 conference. You just can't. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, okay, what, what, what makes sense? I know some people are saying, well, San Diego State, what about them? What about that? What about Oregon, Washington? Oregon and Washington are waiting. I believe Oregon and Washington are waiting for that Big Ten invite. USC and UCLA traveling 1,500 miles to their closest game in Lincoln, Nebraska is not sustainable. Going to Iowa City and Columbia, Missouri for your closest, or not Columbia, Missouri. Missouri's in the SEC. Darn it. They wish they were in the Big Ten. <laughs> Mizzou, ask Mizzou. Mizzou, you probably have to get them pretty toasted. But ask anybody involved with Mizzou. Mizzou wishes it was in the Big Ten. But when your closest road games are going to be Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, Iowa City, Iowa, you got yourself you know, a problem. Eventually, Washington and Oregon are going to the Big Ten. It's only a matter of when. But here's what is kind of slowing that down. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, doesn't want to look like the guy that ultimately sunk the Pac-12 conference and made it a group of five. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be that guy. Now, he's already hammered the first nail in the coffin. There's a few more to go. And he wants the Big 12, I believe, he wants the Big 12 to take that dagger. He wants the Big 12 to pick off a couple of teams, and then the Pac-12 becomes completely irrelevant. It's no longer a viable conference. And then Oregon and Washington naturally say, well, there's no reason for us to stay, so we're going to go and head on over to the Big 10 because there's no reason to stay here anymore. And they don't look like the bad guys. The Big Ten doesn't look like the bad guys. They want somebody else to be the bad guys. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, does not want to be the bad guy once again. There's no way. Meantime, also, Oregon and Washington, they don't want to be perceived to be the bad guys. So, you know, that's how I'm looking at this right now. And the Arizona schools have seemed ripe for the pack for the Big 12. Culturally, there's a lot of reasons to me that has made sense. But um, for whatever reason, they've stood pat for now. But I, I don't think it's going to be long. And I think Brett Yormark is smelling that blood. He's smart to smell that blood. And then it's a matter of just what happens um, and when does it happen. When does something happen next? Looking at some of your comments on YouTube Live. Thank you for joining us on the show. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com, covering the Big 12 Conference. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? Uh, Pete, they all think that prime time is going to save the Pac-12 eye roll. 
Yeah, that's an, if you think that Deion Sanders is saving your league, your league is not salvageable. <laughs> like, there is no coach. I don't care if Bill Belichick goes to the Pac-12. A coach is not saving that conference. A coach doesn't save any conference. That's not how this works. Literally, you could tell me that Bill Belichick is going to Washington State tomorrow, and I'd say, okay, when's your more call in the Arizona schools? Uh, also, Pete, as a West Virginia fan, more teams out West do not appeal to me unless it's Oregon. I understand that if you're a West Virginia fan, but Brett Yormark's made it pretty clear he wants that fourth time zone. He wants to go West. There has not been an appetite to do anything else in the East. I don't think the ACC is a place that you can really get any juice out of right now if the ACC opens up. And this is my dream. If somehow the ACC opens up and, you know, you talk to the football schools, Clemson, Florida State, and suddenly it's like, hey, we want to be in a football first conference. We're done with the Dukes of the world. We're done with the North Carolinas of the world. Although North Carolina, you know, has become a decent football program. But we want to be in a football first conference. Maybe that's a conversation, but that's, that's, I'm totally admitting. I'm not giving that any credibility. I'm just saying that is completely, completely a pipe dream of mine. If you want a pipe dream, that's a pipe dream as a Big 12 football guy. And the beauty of the, of the uh, Big 12 is when it comes to football and basketball, it is by far the most balanced conference in America. You've got incredible football. The advanced metrics show it was second to the SEC this year. In, uh, in football, and then basketball, it's one or two in the country as well. I mean, let's not forget how darn good this league has been and will be again in hoops this year. It's going to be an incredible year. Maybe not as good as the last two years, but it's going to be a darn good year for Big 12 hoops. So the Big 12 is probably going to end the season as the second best conference in football, and then basketball season, probably one or two. You compare that to the other leagues, it's not even close. You know, the SEC, usually great at football, not very good at basketball. It's not nearly as balanced as what the Big 12 has. So this league is in an absolutely phenomenal spot right now. It has come a long way in 16 months not knowing if it was going to exist. And I am just absolutely thrilled about it. Absolutely thrilled about it. I think it is a great time to be a Big 12 fan as we kind of have this tweener phase here. You know, next week is going to be the early signing period. Then you're going to get right into bowl games, you know, middle of the week. You're going to get the uh, Liberty Bowl late next week, I believe it is, to kick off the Big 12 bowl games. And we got, what, eight games this year? So this is the only week between now and the new year that maybe is a little bit slow if you're a Big 12 fan, but that's really it. On uh, Facebook Live, Colorado is not going to be a power. Dion just stepped up to the big boys. Time will tell how good he can manage a power five school. I agree. This is a desperate hire from Colorado. They're trying to go flashy. They're trying to look like the new kid on the block. It, you know, it, it, I this is a very risky move for Colorado to go out there and try to compete at a Power 5 level with Deion Sanders. There's a reason that other programs didn't necessarily take all that close a look at him. And Colorado, down in the dumps, has nothing to lose, picks the guy up. There's a reason for that. I'm not saying I don't want the guy to succeed. I don't much care if he does or doesn't. But 
I, you know, this is far from a slam dunk. It's going to make for fun headlines in the offseason, but that's about it. Yeah, that's right. They got nothing to lose on YouTube Live. You guys are spot on about that. Absolutely nothing to lose. So uh, let's just kind of look through this from the lens of the Big 12 and say it's good right now. Life is good. Um, speaking of life, I did want to spend a few minutes here on the show just talking about the passing of Mike Leach. Um died at 61 years old. And first off, I don't want to sound corny. I don't want to sound cliche. But when you see a guy who's at the level that Mike Leach is, leading an SEC program, die at the age of 61. You know, Mike Leach is 25 years on me. But I, that, that'll shake you up when you just drop dead of a heart attack like that. That's scary stuff. And, you know, I think about Mike Leach and the legacy that he leaves – on the Big 12 Conference. And a lot of us have made the point over the last few years, the Big 12 Conference right now is not the Big 12 from 10 years ago or 15 years ago when Mike Leach and the air raid and everything else, everybody was you know whipping it around the field. That's not what the Big 12 is anymore. And I'm glad that's not what the Big 12 is anymore. But what you've seen happen is Mike Leach's coaching tree runs incredibly deep. Mike Leach has one of the best coaching trees in America. Like, there are certain guys who you would think have good coaching trees, but most of their guys bomb out, right? Like, Bill Belichick's coaching tree stinks. When you look at actually where his guys have ended up and the success or lack thereof that they have had, it's just, it's not a very good coaching tree when you go ahead and look at it. So, Charlie Weiss comes to mind. Sorry to bring that name up, KU fans. Mike Leach has a great coaching tree. Here's a list of some of the assistant coaches who worked under Mike Leach. Dave Aranda, currently, of course, the Baylor head coach. Art Bryles, regardless of how things ended, really good head coach. Sonny Dykes, we know what's happening there at TCU right now. College football playoff bound. You look at guys like Dana Holgerson, known from his West Virginia days, coming back to the Big 12 with Houston next season. Lincoln Riley. Hate them all you want, OU fans. It's a hell of a guy to have on your coaching tree. Like, this is as impressive a coaching tree as you're going to find for Mike Leach. This guy knew how to identify talent. The story of Lincoln Riley. He basically told Lincoln Riley, you know, when he was at Texas Tech, hey, kid, you're not going to play. Why don't you grab a clipboard? I'll teach you how to coach. And Lincoln Riley got pissed off, stormed out of the office, and then came back the next day and said, okay, coach, I'll, I'll, I'll learn under you. I'll be a coach. And now look at Lincoln Riley, right? Hate him all you want, but you can clearly see that Lincoln Riley is a really good coach. Great coach. Obviously, you know, still struggles on the defensive side, but it is incredible to look at the coaching tree of a guy like Mike Leach, one of the best coaching trees in modern college football history, Right? It is darn impressive. You look at some of the guys, and Eric Morris, who just got the North Texas job. Mike Leach guy. He played under Mike Leach. The players who are now coaches under Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury, Neil Brown, Seth Luttrell, who was at North Texas. He was a rising star, but he just got fired. Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Eric Morris, I just noted, just got the North Texas job. Sonny Cumbie, Louisiana Tech. 
So, I, like, this coaching tree for Mike Leach, guys who coached under him, guys who played under him, the success that they have had is phenomenal. And I actually had Mike Leach on this show. I mentioned this the other night, but he was on my podcast a few years ago when he was at Washington State. And I was told by Washington State, hey, he's got like 10 minutes. I think we talked for 25. And it's because of Mike Leach. I try to respect all that stuff when I talk to coaches and, you know, whoever it is. I will say, hey, you got 15 minutes? We'll go 15 minutes. I, I respect that. Mike wouldn't stop. He was talking to me like I was his best friend. We didn't know each other from a hole in the wall. He was just a pleasant man an enjoyable guy to talk college football with. He loved talking to people. He loved communicating. And he was just a darn good guy in my interactions with him. And that's been the resounding theme across college football over the last couple of days about Mike Leach. And that's what I've loved kind of reading all these different stories. And then I think about, too, you know, kind of culturally who Mike Leach was. I, his... When he was on 60 Minutes after that 2008 season with Scott Pelley, and he brought the pirate thing national, and he brought, you know, the sword in, the pirate sword replica, and talked about swinging the sword and all that stuff, and really became national and mainstream in many respects, that was big time for Texas Tech. That changed, to me in many ways, how people perceived Texas Tech in general. Texas Tech became a national brand because, in large part, I think of Mike Leach, obviously. And then I think about, like, the cameos he made in Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Remember he was at the gas station with Coach Eric Taylor? Uh, uh, you know, that, that's a great cameo. Played by, I love Kyle Chandler, by the way. Kyle Chandler as Coach Taylor in Friday Night Lights may be my favorite character in the history of television. Like that, he was just, he fit that thing to a T. Kyle Chandler was so good on that show. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, that, and that show, I, that is right up there to me with Sopranos, Breaking Bad. I, it is, you might think that's corny. Friday Night Lights was a great show. And Mike Leach's cameo in Friday Night Lights was just awesome. Where he's at the gas station, he asks Coach Taylor, which way to Lubbock? And then he talks about being a pirate. You've lost your inner pirate, swinging the sword, the whole thing. It's just great. It's just outstanding. That's who Mike Leach was. He was quirky. He was odd. But he understood how to build the brand, how to grow the sport. College football is worse today than it was two days ago without Mike Leach. No matter who you ask, that's going to be the general theme because it's true. This isn't kissing his butt. This isn't just mourning a guy after he's gone because, well, he died. That's not what's happening here with Mike Leach. That's in no way what this story is about. So rest in peace, Coach Leach. Thank you for being a very small part or allowing me to be a very small part of your life and everything that you have accomplished and everything that you have done. And um, yeah, I just think about the fact that I reached out to him as a guy running a Big 12 operation, he's at Washington State. And uh, he gave me a lot of his time. A lot of his time. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Thanks for joining us on Facebook Live. Appreciate you all being here, being a part of the show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. we got a ton of video content. We're going to roll out. I'm going to put up previews for every single Big 12 bowl game. So I'm fired up for that over the next week or so. So you want to be subscribed to the channel, share the show, and thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for being here. Looking through some of the comments, um, 
no update really on Chris Beard. I have nothing more to add beyond what I said the other night on the show, which you can find, of course, on the YouTube page of the podcast. Um, it's a sad deal. It's sad. It's disturbing. Obviously, the allegations are incredibly serious. Uh, Mike Le- or Mike Leach, Chris Beard is on uh, unpaid leave. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, though. I don't know. I can't sit here and say he's never coaching again, at least at Texas. I do not know that. We've got to get more information. His attorney is saying he is 100% innocent. Um, and now we just kind of wait. I did hear this for what it's worth. I did hear this. And that is that, um, and this, I think this might've been reported in a few places. His final year at Texas tech, Chris Beard's final year at Texas tech. Um, he was much more of a hothead than he ever was the first few years at Texas tech. I don't know if that was stress. I don't know if something was under his skin, but you saw that carry over a bit at Texas. Just a guy who was always early on at Texas Tech, a little more low-key, a little more friendly, a little more jovial. All of a sudden, he got tightened up that last season in Lubbock. And I'm not here to make any assumptions based on that. It's just something to kind of think about as the story unfolds. And maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means something. But um, certainly the frustrations were more prominent that final season in Tech and whether or not he brought that to Austin with a big contract and everything else and it led to something, I don't know. But uh, we'll be following that story. So thank you guys for being here. Please do subscribe to the show. Share it with your friends, your family. Uh, we're growing this thing um, on YouTube, as we promised you, on the podcast, as we have for the last several years. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm Pete Mundo. The website covering the Big 12 is heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you all being here. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.